0: Italian Wine Podcast. Cin-cin with Italian Wine People.
1: Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Wollin. My guest today is Giuseppe Salla from I Selvatici, a winery founded in 1953 by your grandfather, I think. Is that
0: correct? Correct. Correct. Buongiorno. And yes, my grandfather founded the the winery moving from Lake Como and uh, sold the flowers business that he had there and moved here in Tuscany and bought the property.
1: Okay. So he wasn't um, a sharecropper or a mezzadro. He was a businessman.
0: Yes, yes. They were in the flower business with many, uh, you know, greenhouse around Lake Como. And uh, he was, uh, you know, growing flowers, especially, you know, very high-end flowers. He sold the business and bought here after, you know, they come to see in the 50s, but then he, he really bought after, you know, the Mezzadria, okay? And actually, our first workers, they were workers that they were working here as Mezzadri. Okay.
1: Okay. So initially, um, what was grown on your family estate? Was it um, uh, cereal crops like wheat and corn? Mm
0: -hmm. Was uh, a principal was um, um, corn? Okay. And uh, there was just a few. Uh, Mice, yeah? Mice, correct. Bravo. And uh, uh, there was some. Grapes, uh, vines, but they were loppy, you know, like a little trees. Okay, uh, around the property. La, la cultura promiscua. Cultura promiscua, bravo. Yes.
1: When he planted the vineyard, then how did in, um, how did he set the vineyard up? Did he plant Sangiovese? Uh, what did he plant?
0: In the beginning, he planted, of course, Sangiovese, okay, and then Canaiolo and uh, Malvasia Mera. That was the the beginning. But really, the alta densità vineyards, it's been my dad. And your dad is called? Fausto. Fausto, it's my father. When your
1: grandfather um, planted the first uh, vineyard, how did he set
0: the vineyard up? Okay, my grandfather plant the first vineyards in 1964 And uh, he planted mixed, uh, you know, like was um, in the past, you know, typical in the past, with uh, uh, one vineyard mixed with Sangiovese, Canaiolo, and Malvasia Bianca. Uh, And uh, so, but my uh, grandfather unfortunately passed away very young, uh, 54 years old. So it's my dad, and then complete everything.
1: What did you learn from your grandfather and father? In terms of uh, viticulture,
0: oh, for sure, uh, uh, the tradition, the tradition that uh, you know we we used to have and we have for to make uh, the wine, and especially one thing that we really inherited and uh, we follow the same rules is for to make our. Vinsanto, that it's really something that was taught to to him by the Mezzadri that they were here, and then my, my father, you know, transmit everything to me.
1: Yeah, I had a question about the um, your your grandfather's first wine was the was the famous nineteen fifty eight Vinsanto. How much time did that spend in barrel?
0: Yes, the first uh, was the 1958 uh, Vinsanto, and uh, it's been in the Caratelli for 40 years. 1958, we open. I opened the Caratello in 1998. 40 years in the Caratello,
1: Yes. Yeah, I had a, I had a question mark about that 40 years. I thought that must be a mistake. And um, I mean, that's pretty unique, isn't it?
0: Very unique. And if I have to tell you the truth, is uh, one when i went to open the barrel the Caratelli, i was going there just for to see if something was good or not but ready to trash everything that was uh, because i needed space for to put new barrel and by chance i found that is uh, nectar well
1: by chance that's an incredible discovery
0: oh yeah oh yeah it's uh, it's been uh, something that that's the reason you know after uh, 40 years three caratelli, they were like approximately the 30 percent of the liquid inside because mostly was the mother you know the sediments so i made only 141 bottle of 200 milliliters
1: why did you call uh, your family called the white the winery e selvatici the wild ones why was that
0: because it was already named, the location where we live, because it's a location, okay? Uh, it's already named, and we found ma- map uh, from the 1500 with the name, the borgo already named like that. So my grandfather left the name, the same name.
1: So you worked in California for Opus One, um, and you were working there when that was really was one of the most famous wineries uh, on the planet. How did somebody from really the kind of one of the least known areas of Tuscany end up in California at such an incredibly famous um, winery?
0: Oh, because uh, I had some, you know, I was so young. I was 21 years old. Okay, And uh, I had the the chance to have a, a grape harvest with them. Okay and because uh, my my father was exporting with a little company called back in the days Monte Bianco Imports in San Francisco and uh, he was knowing the you know some some people in the Mondavi uh, winery and that, that's how uh, probably one of best experiences of my life So what
1: did you learn from I mean what did you learn any new winemaking techniques or was it more about um, styling uh, wines for, because um, uh, at that time consumers were really looking for softer um, softer wines with a little bit of oak.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's how, you know, this is the new world making wine, and they were completely, totally different grapes, okay, like Cab, Merlot, and all like that. Absolutely, the technology in the cellar, what they still have in California it's very difficult to get here. It means uh, just only maybe big wineries that can maybe afford this kind of technology. And uh, when I come back, I was so excited. When I come back home here and say, you know what, we need uh, to make uh, this kind of, you know, like uh, the famous Opus One or Camus, you know, like that, name. And my dad told me soon, see? You just get the wrong things because here you have to follow your tradition, you know, what your land give the best. And absolutely he was right. That's for sure.
1: How do you feel about alternative ways of making wine, like sort of natural wine and um, no sulfite wines or orange wines? Do you have any strong opinions about those?
0: Let's say, you know, I can tell you my opinion, OK? My opinion is... Uh, So far, I think it's a little bit, uh, uh, today, probably it's it's a little bit too early to say I want to invest in that, okay? Because uh, I really never find something that kept my attention, like to say, wow. And I bet because it's not easy, okay? Uh, For sure, much more organic than biodynamics that's for sure but that's you know just my opinion okay because uh, it, it, it's um it's too early because i'm saying uh, probably in the near future the science is gonna find out probably something that uh, it's gonna help the biodynamic, you know for stay away from disease
1: okay you did some wine tastings um online uh, via zoom how did that go
0: Oh, amazing. I believe it almost at zero from that. And then uh, it's going very well also because, you know, most of my customers, let's say the 80% of my winery customers private so private means uh, that they are locked in the home and they have to do something okay so I had a a great feedback Uh, I already did uh, you know uh, I'm at home I can't uh, go in the States and do anything probably until next year so uh, and uh, I had a very good response from the customers and uh, i have um, about 20 of uh, virtual wine testing already five already done uh, i do events also for many of foundations you know that are for children or so like that so they are really very well organized and uh, they want to continue so i'm happy
1: okay i'm going to ask you a little bit about your uh, your wines you make a Malvasia Biancolunga Toscana. Malvasia Biancolunga. Tell me about the Malvagia wine that you make.
0: Okay. The my Malvagia wine, we are talking about three thousand five hundred bottles in total. And is the very ancient grape that originally is a Malvasia, Malvagia di Montegonzi, that is a little town up on the hill of my winery here. That my grandfather Got, you know, back in the days, make the graft with this, with that clone. And now we have about uh, one hectare and a half of Malvasia Bianca. Very full body, very unusual, uh, absolutely dry. It's not sweet, okay and um it's a new entry because it's about 20 years that we make uh, this 100% malvasia just fermented in the in the Hope and got a very big response uh, in all my customers it, it's uh, it's really a white wine that you can easily age for 2 3 years and still keep the full body and the freshness uh, very very interesting unfortunately we don't have that quantity now that you know, we started as a, you know, a new wine just for to have a white. It's picked up very, very well now. What's a good food match for the uh, Malvagia? Okay, if we want st- to stay with the Tuscany style, Absolutely, uh, eggplants, parmigiana, because it's rich, so can handle also white meat. And of course, can uh, you, you can have that with some fish too, like uh, many different white, but really excel with some Tuscany tradition example. My mom, <laughs> eggplants, parmigiana, it's perfect. Mm, that sounds good. Okay,
1: let's talk about your... Uh, red wines with the Chianti Colliarettini DOCG Reserva
0: Uh, so we make two different uh, red okay a Chianti Reserva 2016 that it's a blend made with still 90% Sangiovese 5% Canaiolo and uh, 5% Marmolo. Sometimes we put inside some Malvas- uh, Malvasia Nera, okay? Depends from the vintage. And uh, so this is something that it's only age in steel tank, okay? And it's our, let's say, we produce about... Uh, you know, 40,000 bottles a year, maybe something less of that.
1: I what think. is a good food match for that? It, it, when you talk about the Reserva, you're talking about Titolato.
0: Yes. A good food match for
1: the Reserva Titolato, I can't riserva. Reserva.
0: A good food match of that. I really love uh, Tagliatelle with Bolognese sauce. This is one of my favourites.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you're not, I mean, where you are in uh, Arezzo, you're not exactly far from
0: Emilia-Romagna. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, probably for to be exactly, we call, uh, it's the same, but we call a uh, ragù here. Bolognese sauce is something more, uh, you know, Emilia Romagna. Okay, what we are close in that. There is uh, some little difference on the on the ingredients in the making, but very lightly different.
1: Okay, so that was titolato. What about uh, Capitolare di Cardisco? That's a red wine made from, I think, 100% Sangiovese, giusto?
0: Yes, always been 100% Sangiovese. Most of the people they ask me always why your super Tuscan is 100% Sangiovese. Because my family it's always been fan of the Sangiovese and, and following the tradition about the 100% Sangiovese. So uh, it's always age five years and the last 24 months in, in uh, French and American oak at the 50%. It's really our crew. We make something less than 10,000 bottles a year. And uh, it's our top of the, the line.
1: It's a very interesting way of aging the wine by leaving it two years in anaerobic, almost conditions in the stainless steel, and then giving it wood at the end. Why do you do it that way?
0: okay I do it that way? Okay, remember, we have... Um very simple cellar. Uh, it's very good for us. Uh, this wine, especially the Sangiovese, need really to the, to the cant in the tank. It's really, when it's clean, we don't use any kind of filter except when we filter at the end. But you can imagine after five years, we just filter very uh, not tight. And uh, so that's the reason. The last uh, 24 months, uh, I'm not a big fan of the wine that they have to stay too much in the wood. Especially the Sangiovese have to be light because you know Sangiovese is typical from fruity flavor. If you stay really too long on the wood or get the the the, the wood, I think, uh, at the wrong time, it's not really uh, you're gonna cover the characteristic of the grapes. That's that's my opinion.
1: It's a very interesting way of doing it. I mean, you know, if you said to me, Monty, today you're gonna be interviewing a guy that worked. For opus one you're kind of thinking right very modern quite a bit of new, obvious new oak and your winemaking style is kind of i just find that
0: very yeah yeah but it's uh, uh okay when i was there i was like a kid okay 20 and some years old okay absolutely with a lot of passions but uh, you know my family winery is just a little you know everything here it's really we have uh, we don't have machines or uh, equipment uh, that, uh, uh, example, you can create some wine like uh, you know Beaujolais or something uh, fresh or new. Okay, uh, it's very important for us uh, before to bottle in the wine to make all the chemical analysis for to see you know all the especially when you we go to bottle in the white wine. Oh God, it's it's always a. Uh, Because, uh, you know, I have to do analysis and be sure that all the proteins are uh, gone, okay? Because we don't want any problem in the bottle. Uh, It's the old style, okay? That's really the old style. So mm, you have to be handled with care, I think. And um, the the work, uh, our work in the cellar, there is much more work than, you know, to have a all the, the technology in the cell. Absolutely, the technology helps. But remember, we are just, this is my little family winery that we have 12 hectares, 11 and hectares. Okay, so, and we want to stay like that. And, and uh, I, really, I really got all of that uh, after came back from California for sure. Because uh, teach me a lot, but uh, also in a different way, you know. So that's was my
1: So when you're in California did you manage to visit any other wineries um, around the mon- around uh, Napa or Carneros
0: Oh yeah oh yeah yeah um, I really um, I'm going also when I can of course not uh, not this year okay but uh, I'm I'm going every year so I'm trying always to Arrange some um, my wine event in California just, you know, for to go around for some winery and discover some new because it's always growing. Uh, uh, now I have some friends there in Paso Robles, it's another great area. It's, uh, you know, big uh, um, in the past, you know, I was like a big fan, you know, there was. When I was there, you know, there was not so many, many wines like now. Now there is, the quality, first of all, went up a lot in many different also in different parts of California, but not only in California. Think about, I'm a big fan of wine from Washington State, for example. It's, uh, I think those kinds of wine are more close to us here in Tuscany, it means the making, than the California ones.
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting you talk about Washington State, um, they they seem to make very direct wines, particularly varietal wines. Um, is that what you like about um, the Washington State wines compared to Tuscany?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, also because you know, of course, uh, outside Tuscany, you know, I'm a big fan. Always been a big fan of Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon. I think uh, Washington State now it's very close to California, and in some cases, I really I appreciate more. Also because I went around a little bit, it's, uh, oh God, I don't remember the name, uh, Walla Walla, okay, yes, from Walla Walla. And uh, I went a little bit around, and I really see little family winery around, uh, uh, you know, California, you see more big estates, okay, and uh, something like that, if you are like in mountains and
1: so, and um, should we finish, um, have we just said everything we need to know about the Vinsanto, Colli Aretini?
0: Yes, absolutely. You want to know. Yeah, we, we talk about the, the 1958 that was 40 years in the barrel, but the usual uh, Vinsanto that we produce, it's always um, from 13 to 14 years old. Now we are... Endling, the two thousand four, almost finish, and this is your our, mm, let's say, dessert wine. There, but uh, a dessert wine that have very good combination also with foie gras, with a mm, very different, you know, not only dessert, absolutely, and uh, is the one that for sure is exactly the same wine that my grandfather was making. We exactly the same, you know, in the red and the. We just, you know, change some a little quantity, you know, or Sangiovese, or some, you know, like that. So we just uh, the Vin is still exactly the
1: same. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's wonderful that you make a Vin like your grandfather um, would have made, with you know the red variety in there as well, and the Trebbiano Toscana, which everybody hates or or just completely dis- disparages, but um, and obviously with the Malvasia Bianca. Luz well. Yeah, it's wonderful to see someone, I mean, you're still quite young, carrying on that tradition, and not only just carrying it on, but also doing it in a really accessible Style with a you know technology is one thing, and also with with a lot of thought and respect to your to your family forebears, and I really applaud you for that. And uh, um, I actually, you won't remember this, but when I just went when I moved to Tuscany in about two thousand and four, two thousand and five, one of my first visits was to your um, family winery. It would have been in yeah, I don't know, I think two thousand and five at some stage.
0: Yeah, I remember. I remember. It, it's long, probably. Probably it's long ago, because you came, I remember, you came in my testing room, and uh, my testing room was built in 1999, so it was just a few years that it was built, I remember. It was not finished yet, (laughs) completely, and uh, uh, one thing that... uh, I would like uh, to say about, uh, you know, when I came back from the States last March, completely locked down here, I was very worried about the wine business because I already uh, understood that everything was, was going to be closed for months, okay? And I was really, really afraid. Then the answer from the people, especially from the private, We probably did well last summer with no tourists here than the summer before with the tourists. It's it's weird to say that, but uh, that's really what's happened so far today.
1: Okay, um, I just want to say thanks to my guest today, Giuseppe Sala uh, from Iservatissi, and uh, it's been great to, to talk to you after so many years, and um, I do hope you can continue making the wines that you do in the way that you do, traditional a blend of traditional and modern, um, which is not always easy to get right. It sounds easy uh, on paper, but it's not. And uh, it's great to talk to you again, and hopefully we can see each other face-to-face in uh, in Arezzo province at some stage in the future. I'm, I'm in montacino so... Um, <laughs> I'll so, drive over and come and see you. We can have a good old
0: Absolutely. Montalcino, hey, you have to go. My best friend is uh, Paolo. You know Paolo that owns Caprilli Winery? Caprilli, yeah. Caprilli. It's, uh, Paolo, it's a uh, dear friend. We have the same importer in Japan, and uh, we are very close friends. Uh, anyway, you are always welcome here, man. When, uh, when you want, you, we're going to drink a glass of wine together.
1: Yeah, but I'd love to try the Vin Santo again and the other wines as well. Giuseppe, thank you so much. Giuseppe Sala from the I Selvatici winery in Arezzo province. Thank you so much for coming on the Italian Wine Podcast today. Great to hear um, your insights about winemaking and also your family history, which is um, which is a, a lovely story um, that you're perpetuating via the wines that you make. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you and hope to see you soon.